You're listening to DraftKings Network. We knew Murray has injury prone. Exactly. Tendency. That was a risk. Yes. Let's say this. That yes. was a risk. But yes. yeah, I agree. We, we, we thought he would be good when healthy and he wasn't even that this year. And the there was a thing. Yes. So go ahead, Shane. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah. It's okay. I interrupt everyone. So yes, I deserve <laughs> it. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan. And as always, and folks, once again, I'm going to encourage you to check out our videos on the YouTube because we are joined by the stunning and ready to glow it up as part of a fun wedding this weekend and writer extraordinaire, Sarah Sivian, my goodness gracious, my friend, you look amazing. How are you today? Ah, you make me blush. Oh, I feel fantastic. I'm getting ready for my best friend's wedding I'm in. And guess who else is there? PR extraordinaire, Lindsey Brown from Seattle. So small world out here. They met. I grew up with this wonderful lady, Maraid, and they met in college at the University of Maryland. So funny how the best person in the world, Maraid, attracts so many hockey people. Well, and other amazing people. Like, it just makes oh. sense, right? Um, well, Lindsay's amazing. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Sarah's amazing. Lindsay's amazing. Oh. The bride's amazing. We're all amazing. <laughs> so it's shocking that this other person isn't also in the wedding because she's amazing. And she's taking <laughs> us on a hair journey, which before we hit record, we were just praising this. So again, another reason to check out the YouTube, taking us on another version of Color Extraordinaire, Shayna Goldman. Shayna, say hi. Hi. It's great to have you guys here. Um, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to go all over the board. So let's get right to it. Sarah, what time is it? Bit O News. Try something new. <laughs> it was a long drum roll. I like you. Still yeah, hear yeah. Nothing. This is what, see, this is why you have to watch YouTube so you can see the drum roll. Yeah, I put my heart in this. Please also still listen. We will take the clicks. We will take the listens. Yeah. We'll check out the YouTube too. Um, all right, y'all. Bit O News. We've got stuff from all over the hockey uh, hockey world. And as always, we turn to the foremost expert on the women's side of the game. And that is Shayna Goldman. Shayna, we have talked a lot about kind of the back and forth between the two entities, uh, which are available to players who want to play post NCAA. And we've got some big signings with one side that maybe seemed to be losing the PR battle, if you will, um, for a while. Walk us through who's signing and where and what this means for these teams. Yeah, so we hear a lot about international players and national stars tending to play with the PW, but we have two huge names coming to the PHF. Nora Ratti is coming to the Metropolitan Riveters. She is a Finnish goaltending star. And Alina Mueller, who we all love, Swiss star, is coming to the Boston Pride. Those are two really big names. And it's interesting, too, because we're expecting to hear some traction on the PW side. So the fact that both of them chose the PHF is a big deal. And, you know, maybe now we'll start seeing, you know, will, the, will there be a trend now of more international stars joining? Obviously, the two North American leagues are going to be the options, but like, which are they going to choose? Like, I'm interested because the more they come over, it does, I, I literally don't care who, what side anybody picks. I just want to see quality hockey. And we're going to see that a little bit more, you know, the more the stars join these leagues. Why do you think they joined this league? That's a good question for Mueller. Like she played NCAA hockey, so it makes sense. 
Um, and Boston is definitely a fit for her, but the pride are a stack team. Like they're, they're a team that their lineup has always been good. The coaching has always been good. So like, that makes sense. If you want to join a contender, go there and see what weapon she can be. But for the Riveters, like, that's a really interesting one for me. Like I, I think they're going to have a new look this year. They have a different vibe, you know, in the front office. So we'll see how that shakes out. I, I don't know. Like, I'm just excited that. We're seeing, like, I think there's a certainty, right? The certainty they know this league's going to start at X time and maybe that's what's winning it. But maybe they're seeing other players, you know, pop off like Michaela Grant Mentis. You could be in a league with her. Like, maybe that's attracting, you know, stars too. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah, they're going to, you're going to have one of them right in your backyard potentially. Just uh, talk about maybe the shine that continues to build on the women's game after NCAA from your perspective. Me. Yes. Oh, yeah. Me. It's awesome. Just so you can see the popularity growing in Boston. Like I know they were the not to like make everything about men's hockey as it relates to women's hockey, but they were the fan flag, um, the Boston Pride, they're champions and they're the fan flag bearers for one of the nights during the Bruins playoffs. And everybody knew them and was going wild and seeing even their social media grow and everything. It's just it's such a great get for them. And it just there seems to be so much good news coming out of women's hockey, regardless of the things we have to work on as any league that's new and starting out. It has to comb through. Right. It's not going to be clean, but there seems to be with the salary cap and with record contracts being signed and things of that nature. It just seems like good news keeps coming. And like Shana said, I don't care which side you're on. I just want them all to end up with the best product possible and the most eyeballs and it seems like we're heading that way absolutely and getting paid getting paid my friends all right let's switch over to the men's side we'll just touch on this briefly because we'll do a deeper dive um, in our off-season kind of recaps and previews team by team but uh lindy ruff was coaching the devils he bet on himself going into this year he had no extension and now it comes out as official that he will be staying with the devils obviously a very successful campaign after a rough start where fans were chanting fire, fire Lindy, and then we're sorry, um, which is actually, I think, fun. Like, that's fun mm-hmm. when you have a connection like that. Um, Shana, from a coaching perspective, it seems like they couldn't do anything else. This had to be the choice that they were making. But from a team perspective and a coaching perspective, are you a fan of this move? Yeah, it seems like for Ruff, if the, he wasn't going to stay, it was going to be last year that he would have, you know, gotten the boot. And it, it seems like the players really, you know, connect with him more than anything. feels like he's the people manager and you can support him with the right assistant coaches. I think they were the best example of like the value of assistant coaches this year. But it just seems like this is someone who as old school as he is, and he is, he's been coaching forever, literally. He has evolved we look at the modern style of play that they played this year and this is someone too that you know he works with the analytics department and wants those like stat packages every game like he's someone who is trying i think to grow with the league that i have i have time for like the old school coaches who want that modern twist and will take the time to grow and it feels like he has sarah do you like it you were laughing about the the lindy chants that were going on this season I know. And I liked his reaction to that, too, that like, yeah, love the passionate fan base here. Love that it's we're having passion back again. And the passion. Yes, the passion (laughs) trademarked by the New Jersey Devils, obviously. Um, I loved the way he worked with such a young team with the skill. Right. And it seems like the right fit, especially when you think of like a lot of the comebacks that they had. 
this season and what the adversity they faced and how they still managed to have like a really great postseason run, all things considered for their first year back. I, I really like it. And he's the assistant coach thing is so true. My bestie, Andrew Brunette. I love that he's there. And I think this is good vibes for a few years in New Jersey. Absolutely. All right. Well, there are obviously we know some other coaching hiring discussions going on and some front office hires pending, but we'll uh, just keep our ear to the ground and talk about those as they start to clear up unless Gossip Girl decides to make an early appearance. We'll we'll see. <laughs> um, but we wanted to bank some time to focus on something that I mean, honestly, we know this. Everyone's talking about it, but we wanted to talk about it from our perspective. And it's the news coming out of Arizona that after uh, the city council had approved uh, three motions that were going to help build what I believe it was the mayor had said was going to be the best sports and arena facility in the entire state. Uh, The public in a historically low turnout, which we can talk about that another day because that's problematic around everywhere right now, um, vetoes soundly the approval of any of the three motions that were going to fund this new facility And it seems by all accounts, while the league has come out and said that they're continuing to monitor the situation, and it has been announced as of right now that the Coyotes will play at Mullet Arena for a second year, as was originally attended, it's never seemed more clear that this is the final bit of time for an Arizona franchise as we know it in that state. Uh, My heart, first and foremost, goes out to those fans I don't care what you think of how the business was run. I don't care what you think about the players, the coach, any of that stuff. Um, Fans love their team and fans have supported this team and taken a lot of shit. And I just feel really, really badly that this is where it's come down to. Uh, Sarah, what has stuck out to you about this evolution? And do you think there's any chance that this franchise finds a way to stay in the South? Yeah, as Taylor Swift said, the jokes weren't funny. I I just think like I'm seeing team employees of certain NHL teams tweet jokes about this. I'm like, grow up. What if this was your team? Like fucking get a grip. I hate that. I guess it just touches me a lot because I wrote that story with John Forsland about the last day the Whalers were a franchise and the sobbing and I watched the game and everybody's crying and it's like no matter how they got there and all the messed up things and if it, it the Whalers did not do well as a franchise for whatever reason it was it's still sad to the diehard fans that they had a franchise there and all the kids growing up that won't get that franchise um I just think in the jokes have been run into the ground as it is it's not there's a time and a place even if you want to tell the stupid jokes. And now is not it. My heart goes out to everybody. Um, even Clayton Keller posted the sad face. Um, I, know. I know it's so sad. I just don't think it should be up to like the the way that it was decided. It should be billionaires funding the, like the billionaire owners should be funding the franchise. I don't understand like how it's up to the town or whatever went on there. I think that's probably the first problem. Gary Bettman, gripping this franchise for dear life is another problem. Um, I, I do think it's been inevitable as sad as it is. And I looking at the relocation places, I know people have mentioned Salt Lake city. That was a new one for me. I don't like that. <laughs> Just weird vibes. I don't like that. <laughs> Am I going to be able to get a guy? Okay. I'm not going to do Mormon jokes. Um, <laughs> that's all for me folks. <laughs> Shane, that you have studied sport from a business side. That's one of your specialties. And many people are saying, you know, again, what really sucks about this is this is a failure from the business perspective. And it's arguably 
a bigger commentary too on the failure of the NHL to continue to make this a product that's in demand and something that is wanted and desired and people want to move mountains for it, even if the funding should come from the people who are trying to build it in the first place. From a business side, break this down for us. Where do you see the pitfalls? What errors did the Arizona side and maybe the NHL make to get to this point? Yeah, it just feels like there's errors on all different sides of it. And look, like the public funding is is a big issue. It's not entirely surprising that a team like the Coyotes would go for it because we see how cheap ownership is there, like on the ice, like it all ties together. Um, the Islanders were in a similar situation. If like we remember back with the Nassau Coliseum, the county wanted to vote on it. So there was a vote. It failed. And then they didn't have that publicly funded arena to renovate the Coliseum private ownership was like, okay, we're taking them to our own stadium. And that was the issue with Barclays and then eventually for UBS. It, it it failed in the public. That does happen. But it does seem like here, these aren't owners that are just going to open up their pockets. And honestly, if you're not willing, I, I think the issue too is the ownership group. Like yeah. from a business standpoint, if you're not willing to make that commitment to your team, like why are you in this situation? You can't rely on public funding the other issue is too, like the product they're putting on the ice is hurting them financially. We've seen mm -hmm. it in the past mm -hmm. where they had a competitive team and fans wanted to go. It's it's just kind of crumbled over the years. And like, while that can naturally happen, the fact that they haven't made any effort to rebuild their team back from when they were in the playoffs and exciting back, I think 2012, right? Like they were a good team then. There hasn't been that effort to put a good team on the ice since. It's going to hurt you to the point where this year they're literally trading bodies for dead cap space and getting nothing in return if they're at mullet arena and i understand if these are the years they're saying we don't want to be the most competitive team because we can't like be crazy in the stands if you wanted to attract college kids to something you need to have a semi-competitive team on the ice and they they haven't even made that effort i think then you'd see because remember we heard about the profits are better at mullet because the operating costs are so much lower even if that building was overflowing there'd be a little bit more interest right it would it would have a ripple effect i think but it seems like this ownership group has been flawed from the beginning. So from a business standpoint, they're not the ones to lead this group into the future, not on the ice, not off the ice. It just seems abundantly clear. There's too many breakdowns there. And there's been multiple ownership groups that have failed and the league has done everything they can. It does feel like maybe there could have been more public lobbying from the league. There really wasn't when it was here with the Islanders. So why would you expect it there? It You do because it feels like the Islanders are at the Coyotes are a little more of like a pet project to the league. But like, what are we doing at this point? So I think you do have to like really talk relocation and not only that sale of the team. I think the two have to go hand in hand because if they can't handle in Arizona, I don't trust them to handle it elsewhere. Great point. Great point. And yes. yeah, I, like I get super like you guys know, I get on my communication soapbox all the time. But like the arrogance to your point, Shana, of like I, I, I saw this somewhere, like the amount of money that the Arizona NHL slash side spent on lobbying and marketing and educating the people who were about to vote on what this was all about. Selling the concept to them was like a third, right, of what the opposition spent. Like, if you want something, and to Sarah's point, if you want people to pony up basically their tax dollars to help fund your sport, which let's be real, we're not curing cancer here. Come on. Like, <laughs> You have to make them want it. You have to make them understand why that's a good choice for them. You can't just sit there and be like, oh, people told us they agree. So we're good to go. We're not going to worry about convincing people. Like the arrogance behind that is just staggering to me. Yeah. No, you're so right on that, though, because why why are you going to rest on your heels and think people are going to pay for a product 
when you're not even investing in it. And even if you say, well, don't worry, by the time we get back on the ice at a full arena, we're going to have a competitive team. So we know we can fill up the stands. If I'm the fans, I look at it and go, I have no reason to believe you. It's not that the Coyotes, look, they have done a lot for youth hockey there. They've done a lot for women's hockey there. And all of that's wonderful. And I think that we can't forget that. And Austin we can't Matthews just... comes out of that state right. because of the Coyotes. We arguably. can't just say, fuck yeah. the fans. I feel horrible for the fans. The yeah. fans that like literally support their everything and everyone that's put efforts into like the grassroots hockey there. It's but... so hard. It's so hard because you walking the fine line between criticizing the team and like making fun of the fans. It's yep, such yep. a touchy subject. So yep. I understand any Coyotes fans listening to this who get touchy and defensive about it. Like I, when I was in Carolina, it's the same thing. They're so defensive because everybody, they're the butt of some joke when it's yep. really, why aren't we trying to grow the game? And nobody knows the heartbreak more than you. So I'm just very sorry. That's right. And I would like to say we have made two of three news topics about the Leafs. So good for us. <laughs> it all roads lead back to Toronto. <laughs> Which, Shayna, it is time. What time is it? Time for how does it affect the Leafs? <laughs> so, uh, my friends, uh, I think we would have talked, you know, again, we know there are some people who are sick of us talking about the Leafs too much, but as we talked about going... But are the- you? Sometimes are you I really? am. No, sometimes I literally <laughs> am. Um <laughs> But as we were talking uh, before we started recording today, this was something that we feel is important to discuss, whether it's the Leafs or not. And what we want to talk about is, um, as every team does, uh, the Leafs had clean out day, exit day, whatever you want to call it, um, where uh, Sarah and I were talking about this online uh, with some folks who maybe didn't know. But, you know, players always kind of talk first. Uh, They come out. uh, It can be all of them. It can be some of them, what have you. Players come out and share their thoughts on the end of the season. And then as a final step, you hear usually from coaches and any assorted collection of management, or maybe it's just the GM. Um, And Kyle Dubas came out and spoke. And I don't think we would have been surprised to hear his disappointment. We know he does not have a contract beyond this season as of right now. But as I listened to it, I was first shocked at the content of it, where first he talked about basically every move is on the table. So those sweet, sweet babies who are their stars are no longer untouchable. But more so what's really stuck with me was you could just see in my, and I don't want to like over dramatize this, like he is broken, like the stress of this season. And more importantly, the stress on his family was a shocking, very personal revelation. And to say, um, if he continues, it will be at Toronto, but he doesn't know that he does know that he will not be with any other organization in this role. And he has no idea what he will be doing next year. Um, this is really stuck with me for a while. Sarah, you had thoughts on this too. Just react to this whole situation, the press conference, the reality of Kyle Dubas's existence and what he, we don't know what he's dealing with exactly, but what our take is on that. He's just so real. And I've digested what he said for the past few days too. And it's not just about him, but I've talked to players that have played on the Leafs before and the stress they all feel there is real. And then they can eat each other alive because they're all competing with each other when that's not what a team should be, but it's nobody's fault except just the dynamics right now. So I think this is the realest thing Kyle Dubas could have done. And it's the best thing he could have done for everybody because it makes you think, Oh, he's dealing with this. You know, the players are dealing with something similar too, but they can't come out and say that, or it's going to be a pity party, but he, doesn't care and that's like that's the role of a gm and a fun front-facing person and i just have loved literally the passion from him all playoff run that he's chirping other fans he cares some they need 
real, raw, and honest over there. And that's what he's serving. And you don't really see a GM. Sometimes you'll see a coach do that. You're not going to see Sheldon Keefe do that. So yeah. you're sick of hearing anything from, if you're a Leafs fan, you're sick of hearing things from Austin Matthews. You're sick of Newlander. You're sick of Marner. I can never be sick of Marner, but I'm not a Leafs fan. So at that point, it's you need Kyle Dubas to start being honest. And obviously he loves Leafs, Leafs fans, but he's going through a lot and it's weighing on him. And of course it is. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But I was really struck by that. And we need more of that in this sport, just an honest conversation that he's a human being. And he did a great job. I think yeah. he did a great job this season. So yeah, I don't think this year's on him, right? Like no. that's the thing too. You're like, well, he's bearing this responsibility and to a point. The, the Matt Murray thing is it. on him. Yeah. That is, that is absolutely. But Sam Sonoff was excellent for him. No, this year, I, and I agree. Was, but there's, so it's like, there's one. Part. Oh yeah. That we was knew Murray has injury prone Exactly. Tendency. That was a risk. Yes. Let's say this. That yes. was a risk. But yes. yeah, I agree. We, we, we thought he would be good when healthy, and he wasn't even that this year. And the there was reasons, though. Think. Yes. So go ahead, Shane. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah. It's okay. I interrupt everyone. So yes, I deserve <laughs> it. <laughs> but no, I, I really do like the human element of it. And I also hate that some of the commentary around how he was reacting during games, people were like, oh, he's throwing water bottles. He's so stressed. First of all, yes, he's stressed. And if you're saying yeah. that's the sign that this job <laughs> is weighing on him, if we saw someone like, I don't know, who's like a really old timey GM doing that, who would be like, look at the passion he has for the mm-hmm. team. Look, he cares, blah, blah, blah. He's pissed with the team. We want him feeling with the team. You would hear that narrative for any other general manager, especially a former player or like, you know, mm-hmm. like one of those like heart and soul former players. Like if Pat Verbeek is going to get in the fucking press box and when the when the Ducks are good again and he's throwing chairs, we'd be like, yeah, he gives a shit. But because it's Dubis, the nerd, it's like, the nerd. this is too much for him to handle. And it's like, I don't think that's, Jason Spets is right next to him getting angry. They're responding yeah. together. He threw a water bottle. Okay. He's well, chirping I, at fans. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> so hilarious. I will, say, I will say this. And like, here's the thing. I, and we have talked about this before. And yes, we all sign up for the jobs that we have. But there are a lot of people in this world who feel like the fact that any of us are in the public to any a degree means that they can say yeah. anything they want to to us or to Kyle Dubas's point, our loved ones or our families. And that's literally not OK. Um, but I am going to say this as much as I empathize with him and I loved and appreciated everything he said, the more I think about it, I don't think you can keep him on. If you Ooh. if you say I, I don't know when the comment I keep coming back to is his comment about if he stays it will be at Toronto it will be not be at any other place like I feel like you have to have a passion and look I wouldn't do my job at any franchise either there are certain ones I would and certain ones I wouldn't but I feel like he's just hanging on at this point I didn't feel any connection from him to like he has the passion but it's almost like been beaten down and now it's yeah. like obligation and because of and i'm picking on that one comment but if i'm the boss of anyone in any industry and that is the attitude and the place they're in now maybe you give him a week or so to calm down but you don't have a lot of time to to do what's coming next for this franchise i feel like you have to let him go Sarah okay i get what, i get what you're saying because i interpreted this differently and now i'm interpreting it like you i interpreted yeah. it like it's Toronto or nowhere, right. non-derogatory, like good. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love yeah, it yeah. so much here, but you're interpreting it like 
I am exhausted. I can't do this anymore. It's Toronto. I'm going to ride it out in Toronto. Then I'm done. Yeah. And it's, that's so true. That's such an interesting way to interpret it. That is actually kind of a red flag. So yeah, no, that's a, it's a really good point. Like I have like Chef Ramsay in my head, like in the chef's <laughs> face being like, have you given up? And the chef's like, no. And then like they say it too quietly and he's like, I didn't hear you. And you have to like look at him and be like, no, chef, no. Like I want to win this. And you're like looking for that contestant to be like, I want to be here for my family. And just start fucking ripping. Someone needed to get in Kyle Dubas's face with two pieces of the bread and be like, you know, like the idiot was like, do you want to be in Toronto? And if he was just like, yes, and me and my family would be like, no. And he needs to get up and just be like, I want to be the people in And until we get that, Kyle, I'm sorry, we can't hold on to you. I need Brendan Shanahan to get up there. Just whip everything off the table. I want it like wrestling style. Like, there we go. And now we're coming out. We're just screaming at him. Everyone getting hyped. Crowd's going well. Huge pop. And if Kyle rises to the occasion, he deserves to be general manager of the Leafs. And if he doesn't rise to the occasion, the show, he truly has the passion. We need the passion just like amplified. <laughs> Crowd's going wild. He's going wild. He's leading the charge. That's how you stay the Maple Leafs GM. You know what? You brought up a great point. I love this, Allison. We need more wrestling vibes and Gordon Ramsay vibes in the Maple Leafs locker room. We're all coming together. And then maybe he can... We'll go even further. I want to see Kyle call Gordon and have him hype up the room because did you see like on TNT, they were like comparing the locker rooms and it's like, that's the Leafs room. We need Gordon Ramsay to hype everyone up and go crazy. And then like everyone's just ripping before a playoff game. Thank you. Great idea. So are you, you assisting him or firing him? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm testing. I'm, I need to see if he <laughs> no, has the it's true one passion. Of the two. One of the two. I think he has it in him. You know what? I think if you slap two pieces of bread on his face, he has it in him. I'm hiring him. I'm I'm bringing the spirit out of him. Okay. Sarah, are you hiring or firing? He's the face of the passion. I'm I'm hiring him, but I'm mad that he said he didn't want to go somewhere else because I want to see him somewhere else and see what happens. Like, What if he and Tulski were the one-two punch? Let them cook. Could you imagine? I know. Oh, my God. A traditionalist would lose their shit. I need that. (laughs) Me too. All right, my friends, so we'll see what happens in Toronto, but now it is time to shift into our hockey talk. We are recording this Thursday morning as round three, the conference finals get underway, but we had one series end since we last talked to you. And with regret, I must inform you that the Seattle Kraken's delightful run has come to an end. They fall 2-1 in a game seven to Dallas. Um Let's be real. Dallas controlled that game. Uh, Philip Grubauer stood on his head, but Seattle just was not deploying the offense that they needed. I think they were uh, tired. They played a lot of hockey in a very short period of time. I'd say that not as a bad thing. It's okay. Like that's a reason there's a week between series at this point. Um, But a tremendously proud effort by the Kraken. Um, the vibes about in this group, and I put out a piece yesterday about it, like the vibes from this group are something I've never seen. They're just so loose, so cool, so confident, comfortable. Um, I'm really interested to see what they do next year now that they've kind of shown that this is what they can do. They're not going to sneak up on folks, but let's focus on the series specifically. Um, Sarah, what did you think about game seven and is the right team moving on in terms of what we have seen on the ice? Oof. I don't think they stand a chance to win the cup. I'm going to say that. I think they are. They Se- are like Seattle in- or Dallas? Dallas. Okay. I think Seattle would, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I just decided to like latch onto this team, but I think Seattle had kind of the fresh vibes where Dallas is kind of hanging on and they've played a lot of hockey in a little time. Like you said, 
Um, but I do think there's also kind of the grit of like the last run that we thought was going to be the Bruins. That is now Joe Pavelski, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Ben. Is Jake Ottinger going to turn it on? That's the biggest question here. That is the biggest question. It's Jake Ottinger versus Aiden Hill. So that's interesting. I think as we've been talking about, this is going to be a series that is that highlights, is there going to be a goalie narrative change? Like, yeah. is there going to, do you need a hot goalie to win? I don't know. We're going to see, I guess we were talking about the past though. I think I'm upset that the Kraken didn't move on because I'd like to see more of the depth. I, that's all no notes for me. <laughs> Shana, we know you didn't watch. Shana's getting a dog. Shana, we know you didn't <laughs> watch game six. Were you actually able to watch game seven? And if so, what were your seven. thoughts? I watched game seven. Mika watched game seven. Kona and Zuke watched game seven. Watched it together. Um, Well, Zuki's analysis was that she was right and that she has Dallas winning it all. After round one, she flipped her pick from Florida to Dallas, but still is Florida like going to the Eastern Conference Finals. So if anyone needs like certainty, she gave it to us from the East. So we trust her on the West. Um, The thing with it was, I felt like the Kraken were playing reactive hockey the entire game instead of proactive hockey. And that was like the key difference for me. Yes, it's great. You mentioned it about block shots, right? If we're talking about block shots, it's not necessarily a good thing. It can be, but if we're just counting up they have X number of block shots. That's the way to win. It's it's not it. it. You're you're not making you know the defensive plays to proactively shift to offense. You're protecting yourself and 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 withstanding the other team instead of pushing back on them. You can't play offense if you're playing defense like that. And when you take yourself out of position to constantly block shots, you might have a problem. The stars, it felt like, were the team to beat in that game. They directed play, and I really do think they have more to give. So it's unfortunate for the Kraken. I think that what they did this year was really fun and exciting, and I would have liked to see them in round three, but I do think the Stars were one of the best contenders to get into the postseason. We saw it in round one a bit more, and now let's see if they're going to be – I think they were like a wilted version of themselves in round two. So let's see if they can shine brighter in round three or if their star is too dim now. Who's to say? Well, let's go top power play, though, right? Top power play, strong penalty kill. In theory, all of this, you have a number one defenseman. (laughs) You have a top line. You have a strong goaltender. Like, they have the building blocks there. All right, so let's let's go through our round two scoring. Let's see how we go. Let's remind the people. You get a point if you pick the right team. You get a second point if you pick the correct number of games. I'm feeling good. I don't remember what I did, but I'm feeling good. Okay, here we go. Uh, Florida, Toronto. Sarah picked Florida in seven, one point for you. Shayna picked Florida in seven, one point for you. I was the consternating person and picked Toronto in six, no points for me. Jersey, Carolina, ready for this one? Sarah picked Jersey in six, no points for you. Shayna picked Jersey in six, no points for you. Allison picked New Jersey in seven, no points for me. Edmonton, Vegas, Sarah picked Edmonton in six. Ooh. Shayna picked Edmonton in seven. Allison picked Vegas in seven. So wow. I get a point. Tell so, their fucking social media. All they do is post that thing of the ESPN people picking Edmonton. I'm like, get up. you're so corny. You're so corny. I hate it here. Sorry. Keep going. So we each ended with one point. If we go to the tiebreaker, which I had to abstain from, which is Seattle, Dallas. Actually, here's where I teased you. Shayna picked Dallas in seven. So she gets two points. Shayna, after a really, really bad showing in round one, Shayna, you surge back to yeah. take round 
I had three dogs to choose from their picks in round one. <laughs> round two, I was like, fuck it. We're rolling with Zuki. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> Jane is peaking at the right time. So let's go into it now. Sarah already hinted at this. We have two series to go starting tonight, uh, the East and the West Conference Finals. Let's dig into this Eastern Conference Final. We keep saying it about Florida that no one expected them to be here, but they are proving to be a delight in terms of how they're playing and how they're winning. Florida and Carolina kick off a seven-game series, as is tradition. Florida Panthers... Carolina. Carolina might be getting slightly healthier. Sarah, tell us what you see in this series, what you're excited to watch for. Yeah, it was just announced that Tara Vinen is playing tonight, so Ooh. that's awesome. I think he's going to be on the third line with um, Stahl and Natchez. Yeah, that's an interesting line. I don't know. We'll see about that. I don't love that, but I've been wrong about this team every step of the way, so I'm just going to let Brenda Moore cook, but yeah, um, I think Anderson's starting in net, if I'm not mistaken. I or they don't have a starter yet, but I think it's going to be him. Um, excited to see what he's going to do in the ECF. Excited to see what new stars will will emerge because now this is the depth team. Now that there's no Kraken left, and I think the Panthers obviously have surprised all of us. Are is Bobrovsky going to be playoff Bob still? Because he could win the con Smythe. I, I think mm, that's a really spicy. interesting... Yeah, it's an interesting thing to watch. I don't know. No other goaltender is doing it like him right now. And it's a little bit of redemption for him. It's interesting to see Paul Murray's back in... He was coaching Rod Brindamore um, back in the day, in like 2003, if I'm not mistaken. And I think he was younger than Rod or he's younger than a lot of the players on that team. So I thought that that's just a really interesting angle. But Rod said when asked about all that, he was like, I don't care. And I know Mo doesn't either, but Paul Maurice is emerging as one of my favorite people. I think he's hilarious and his quotes are just absolute gems and we need more of that in the league. So that's what I'm looking at as a reporter, but I'd like to see a goal and an assist run of the mill from Tavo Terrifying tonight. There we go. Yeah. Did you guys see the picture of Paul Murray's wearing a heat t-shirt over his I was like, Jeremy probably what are we shrieked. <laughs> Shayna, you just put out a piece talking about some uh, adjustments that the Panthers made in their power play. Walk us through that a little bit and then tell us what you're watching for in addition to that going forward in this final. Yeah, I think the thing about the Florida Panthers, the entire regular season was this was a team that couldn't finish their chances. That's what we know about them. So it's like not surprising they're popping off as much as they are in the playoffs because that foundation was there. But on the power play is like where they had the biggest gap between actual goals and expected goals. And they were one of the only teams to run with a top unit of three forwards and one uh, three forwards and two defensemen. Why? I don't know. I don't think they were dangerous enough from the two flanks. They, you know, relied on point shots more. They went against every league trend. And then this postseason when Ekblad was hurt, they threw Bennett. They started with Verhage actually on power play one. Their forty goal scorer. Who would have thought that would have worked? And <laughs> now, like you can see what they made the adjustment with Bennett that game. And now they're like adapting as the playoffs progress. And they have like it's not as stationary the power play. So something that hurt them last year. It's not a strength, but it's something a little more reliable. And I'm curious, like, do they have it in them to keep making adjustments? Because you went from Boston's elite penalty kill to the Leafs, who are very good shorthanded to the Canes power kill, who not just can take away your momentum, but take it for themselves with their offense. Like it makes for a really cool matchup. 
But even like outside of that, like you said, like playoff Bob is a big one. It's also like the underrated stars taking each other on. You have Barkov going up against Aho. You have Jacob Slavin, who is, you know, the, the one that people like suddenly discover every year is good, which is like so odd, but whatever, because people don't pay enough attention regularly. Um but I, I do, I like this matchup and I was excited about Kane's Devils and then was like very disappointed in the series. And I think this one is actually going to deliver. Um, it just feels like there's enough elements to make this exciting. And the coaching matchup is one of them, which I wouldn't have expected to be saying in the beginning of the year, like Paul Maurice is in and now I'm interested. But like, I am like, I, I don't know. I like this series. I like the Kane's depth and how they just keep clicking. And I like the Panthers, how they built a four check for themselves and are good. Like, I just think it, I think it has a lot more intrigue than everybody's like giving it credit for because of the market. Like, I don't give a shit about that. Like, I hope we get to see fun and unique things about the market. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting because we talked about Kyle Dubas already, but he referenced what Florida did this offseason as perhaps one of the new blueprints for teams that have a lot of talent or think they're just this close to having to actually blow things up a little bit to try and make a bigger push and all of the big trades that um, Florida made this offseason. So it'll be interesting. We know this is a copycat league to see if Florida is becoming the model for what what happens to to have a successful postseason run. All right. Isn't it crazy that we're saying, what's the model? Be in a trade that brings you one of the top players yeah. in the league. Win a trade by, if you are the one, you might be moving Literally. out a lot. If you bring in the best player of the trade, you win. And we have to convince general managers that's what you do. Trade for a Sagittarius. That's what it's about. <laughs> All right. It is prediction time. Tell us who you think comes out of this as the winner and the number of games, Sarah. This is so hard because they've both proved me wrong every step of the way, but I have to go Hurricanes in six. I just, the way this team is structured right now, it's very systematic the way it's just like layer after layer of the four check. So, Jaina? Zuki says Florida. We say Florida. I'm going to go seven games. <laughs> and I am going to go Florida in six for the vibes. Okay. All right. We you have hate the-, the Hurricanes. No, I do not. You said before you don't like their vibes. <laughs> I was worried because they were broken. Listen. Yes, and that's true. And you know, I have, like, you know, I have concerns about Florida too, but that that's for another yes, yes, yes. fan only fans edition of the podcast. <laughs> All right. The only fans we teased. It's finally happening. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. My secret reasons. All right, here we go. Uh, let's look at the West. Then uh, we talked a little bit about this already. Dallas um, facing Vegas. Um, it's interesting to me, you know, Sarah already talked about some concern for the stars, I'm a little higher on the stars than I am on the Golden Knights. I just feel like the Golden Knights kind of luck into some things. I think that none of us would have been surprised if Edmonton came out of that round two series. So I'm not as sold on Vegas as we might have been in earlier seasons. Shana, let's have you go first on this one. What are you looking for in terms of the Golden Knights and stars? I Actually, really, I wasn't as high on Vegas going into the playoffs, but they impressed me. And I don't think Brown one did it for me enough because I didn't think much of their opponent, honestly. But like, I liked how they played a five on five against Edmonton, who, while generally speaking, we could like shit on as a five on five team this postseason. I think they were, I think since the deadline, they were really good at five on five. So if you could consistently beat them, which they did, I like how they shut down games when they have a lead too. I think that they can proactively just keep pushing the pace of play in the last couple of minutes to really like torture their opponent, honestly. And 
Um, if they could find a little more power play success, which is going to be like, I don't think they have a special teams advantage here at all because I think the stars penalty kill is really good. And the golden Knights power play is kind of shitty. And then like the, the for the flip side, I still think the stars have the edge, but if that five on five, they can keep playing this way. I'm kind of interested to see what they can do to make this a series. Like they're the better rush team, but the stars are better controlling the neutral zone. Like it all matches up. They're so evenly matched. The key for me is going to be who takes on the Robertson line. Cause I think that line is like waiting to pop off after yep. they did in round one. Yep. I think that Gordon Co. like did a good job containing them in round two. So it's it's gonna be interesting to me. If I'm Vegas, I'm putting Shay Theodore on them. I think he did a better job versus McDavid and Dry in round two versus Petrangelo, who did take a heavy share of those minutes. I wanna see like I think if you go with the Mark Stone matchup, you can go Stone and Theodore. And I think that's the way to contain them. But like I'm interested to see if someone like, you know, Wild Bill against Rupe Hints, like I think that could be a cool storyline. Yeah, that line is definitely one to watch because while Jason Robertson doesn't have a goal in like, what is it now, six games, um, that line has just been a revelation and they've controlled play. And then, you know, Shana, to your point, the Kraken were the depth and particularly against Colorado, it was stars versus depth. And I feel like Dallas is like right in the middle of those, right? Like they have depth, but they also have star power. But um, bum. that being said, Sarah, you hinted at this a little bit. Sounds like you're a little down on the stars. What are you watching for in this series? I Rupe hinted at it. Um, I don't know. I'm just saying shit. Like, I really don't even know. I like, who's to say? I I do like the way the stars have managed to get it done without that, like, consistent production from Robertson. I think that's been really huge for their confidence, too, knowing they could do that. I mean, obviously, the Pavelski storyline coming back and just going on a tear is crazy. And then you got the defense. I think this is going to be a fun matchup with like offense versus defense. And I've been thinking a lot lately about just Bruce Cassidy. I don't know where he comes into play, but I do think it's funny that everybody was obviously Jim Montgomery deserves credit for what he did with the Bruins. But you look at this right now and Bruce Cassidy is still standing when he was, I, it all works out. I I don't think people in Boston are playing the what if with Bruce Cassidy a lot right now. I don't think several players would have returned if, Bruce Cassidy was still the coach. And then the team doesn't have the season that it has, but I think he was a much needed voice maybe in Vegas to get, not get people in line, but just kind of refocus after a bad season. And it all just ended up working out. So shout out to Bruce Cassidy. And I wonder if he's kind of changed his ways a little bit, been a little softer, but maybe the team didn't need that. I don't think Jack Eichel likes soft and he's kind of the star of the team. So I think that's working out. And I don't think I'm Mark ex- Stone does either, right? Yeah. He seems like someone who wants point. to like exactly. hype up the intensity. Yes. Exactly. And sorry to well, cut you off. Like, No, like, you're right. Keep going. The Go coaching ahead. angle, though, none of us mentioned it. Well, Pete DeBoer it's- has coached three <laughs> of the teams left. Yeah, and and him and Maurice, this is kind of funny. They were the ones that came in with the Canes together. Like they were good friends, if I remember right. And they like that's how they kind of both started at the NHL level. But you literally have Pete DeBoer and the guy who replaced him. Like that's a kind of a fun yeah angle. Mm-hmm. Like coaching we can, yeah, and DeBoer said Carousel, that yeah. it means a little more to him. And I like when people admit things like that. I like talking to DeBoer. I know he's very no, I like him too. Yeah, hot for sure. button. I don't know, but I know that now they're calling him Mr. Game seven. And I had asked yeah. him before about Justin Williams because he coached Justin right. Williams back in the juniors days. So I think it's funny how it comes full circle then. But I also want to point out that like, it's not Justin Williams will be the first one to tell you this. It's not always a great thing that you're in so many game sevens. It's like, how'd you get yeah. there? Why do you keep going to game? Seven? Why are you always, even if you win them, it's like, Let's relax. So I don't know. Interesting dynamics there. And DeBar 
stars. <laughs> so literally coach so many teams. So I don't know what that says. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. Maybe it's a secret third thing. It means I'm not what he, I, he's, Oh my God. <laughs> All right. I, I just want to know what he's learned though. And sorry, the two other parts of the series, we have two more revenge angles. We have the rematch of 2020's Western Conference final. That Vegas, literally, they lost and they went out and got Petrangelo to respond to yep. the Stars beating them. And maybe the most fun one that I don't think I've heard mentioned is Dadanoff. We think of the shit Vegas put him through trying to trade him. Yep. And now yep. he's with Dallas. I hope oh he has God, a fucking excellent... That. I didn't think of it until he's been just now well when too. you mentioned it. We're like, brewing. We're waking up. We're you know what? Really he has well. been playing really well. He's been, he's been like one of the really best, well. most effective players on the ice at times. All right, let's yeah. predict this series. Sarah, winner and number of games. Vegas in seven, because I don't want to... I'm sick of their fucking social media, which is... I don't, maybe I should have picked against them because of that, but I'm just like, I don't want to deal with them. Dana? And they listen, obviously, yes. to this. I want to have them have to post my name. Shayna? Um, stars in seven. Okay. I am going to go stars, and just for sake of difference, in six. If we get blowouts back and forth this whole series, I'm going to flip a goddamn table, though. You're done. You're done. I'm done. I've had enough. All right, my friends. Let's take it home with our favorite game, how we end every episode, and that is Fuck, Marry, Kill. As you all know, because you listened to every episode with bated breath, we are going through the finalists for the major NHL awards for this season, and that brings us to this year's Jack Adams, Sarah, I'm going to have you go first. Your options are Dave Hackstall of the mighty Seattle Kraken, Jim Montgomery of the Boston Bruins, and the aforementioned Lindy Ruff of the New Jersey Devils. Take it away. Marrying Rod Brindford. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm killing. Ooh, I'm killing Hackstall because I think the roster construction was really the main thing here. And you get Maddie Beneers. I think he's... It's so hard because what are we ever talking about when we talk about uh, coaches? Let's just be real. We're not in the locker room. We don't fully understand like what is going on behind closed doors and what coaches are really doing. But that's a story for a different day. But I'm just going to process of elimination. He seems like a quieter voice. Not, I don't know. Just not really my style sometimes. Sorry. I'm going to fuck Lindy Ruff. I think Oh, this is tough. Yeah, I'm going to fuck Lindy Ruff because it's been a fun run. And I loved, there have been, I love the way he's handled the ups and downs, but there were a lot of ups and downs. So it's kind of a roller coaster. Um, I like the way he's getting through to the Hugheses and all the youngins. They clearly love him. And that really counts for something. Like, I don't know, maybe I just, it's East Coast bias and I haven't seen players really like tout Axtall the way they tout Ralph and Montgomery. So that's what I'm going off of the vibes. And I'm going to marry Jim Montgomery just because the bounce back from what he's been through, the way... I don't really know what goes on behind closed doors, honestly. And I I don't know. I've heard a lot in his past, whatever it is, what it is. I don't know what's true and what's not, but okay, we're just going off the rails here. I love the way he managed to get through to Jake DeBrusque and revive him. And I'm all about Jake DeBrusque. This is the Jake DeBrusque podcast. So I'm going to marry Jim Montgomery. Dana, you're up. I like that we got Rod Brindamore and Jake DeBrusque references in that. <laughs> um, 
Well, I'd like to be annoying kill all three because the coaches I think should be there aren't like Jared Bednar and John Cooper who deserve your respect. Actually, I don't think John Cooper should be in it this year. I think Marty St. Louis should be. Um, Good one. I'm going to kill Ruff. I think that the Jack Adams, I, I, I talked about it before. There's a lot of things I like about Ruff. I, I like how he's evolving. I like that he's trying. Um, But I feel like the Jack Adams gives so much credit to the head coach when I think it should be an entire bench award. So Interesting. there we go. I will fuck Hackstall. I don't know enough about his coaching style. I have some issues with some things in Seattle with their coaching, like the execution, the tactics are great on some things. But I like the way he like has pulled this group together. I like that he knows to how to deploy these forwards. There's things about it that I think work. So I would be curious, like, you know, what he's learned after Philly and last year. And I will marry Montgomery tactically. I think he brings a fresh modern perspective. He came into a very good team and not just kept the ship running, but changed stylistically some things that I think really worked. All right. I, you're both going to hate me. I'm going to kill Montgomery because I think he had the most to work with. Um, And while the accomplishments were great, I think that it's kind of like just putting frosting on a cake versus baking the cake and figuring out what you should bake in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to, Mm. shoot this is hard i'm going to mm. i'm going to this is almost a tie but i'm gonna fuck lindy ruff because i think this is a coach who helped his team make the biggest jump into their window of contention which they are closest to so i think he was the biggest accelerator in terms of what this team is going for and that they are literally at that point in where they want to be as an organization um and so i will Mary Dave Hackstall, because <clears throat> while the roster construction was huge, I do think that he had to do something very different, like we've talked about with the depth. And I think to put everyone in the right place to succeed is a bigger challenge when you don't have star star players that can help you ride through. Or, And again, it wasn't necessarily the window for the Kraken just yet. And he kind of helped push that forward. All right, my friends, excuse me. That is it for us this episode. We will talk to you next week when both series will be underway and we'll be able to find out how right or how wrong we were about everything. Um, Until then, we encourage you to connect with us on social. We are at two underscore much underscore man on both Instagram and Twitter. Connect with us there. Please, please, please continue to send us your vibe checks there. We want to see where you are, where you're watching the game. And if you're wearing a piece of Too Many Men merch, you might be entered into a drawing for a prize. And if you don't have Too Many Men merch, please go to TooManyMenMerch.com and get a hat, a t-shirt, a watch band, whatever suits your fancy. And until we talk again, please do something no matter how big or small to make sure that hockey truly is for everyone. We will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.